Your views, your values. This is WMNF Tampa, 88.5 FM. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the wonderful Annie Ellis. Hi, Kenny. Nice to see you. Hi, Annie. Also in the studio with us is Mr. Bill Grace, keeping us in check. Always thrilled to see Bill. So, Annie, before I introduce our guest, how was your week? Oh, it was fine. I wanted to tell everybody, though, I was very impressed that uh, there was a uh, an article in the Sunday paper uh, with uh, Kenny Coogan, our own, uh, about carnivorous plants. And uh, what's the, the Times? Uh, yeah. had the, the Tampa Bay Times had that in there in the gardening section, which I, I think it's, what is it, like- G... Good question. It's under the home section. Under the home section. Yeah. Anyway, it's towards the back. You have it's to look about for it. my favorite two things: Florida and carnivorous plants. I know it was really nice to see that. I didn't. It was an unexpected joy. Um, so there it is. Glad to hear that. Yeah. And I just want to tell listeners that it's kind of sprinkling. Yeah. And as a person who sells plants, I love it when it rains. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy when I see that it's going to be raining. It just I don't sell plants, but I grow plants. Yeah. And it's just wonderful. It just makes me feel so happy. I have on my boots today for the rain. (laughs) (laughs) I have a tiny greenhouse, and last night I emptied the greenhouse, you know, just so everything can get watered naturally. Oh, you put it outside? Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Much easier. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. And it's rainwater, which is always better. Yes. Everything changes with rainwater. I think so, too. I always love it when the rain lilies pop up right afterwards. It's so fun. Yeah, they're attractive. Yeah, they are. They're not native, but they are cute. So before we introduce the guest, we have um, a caller on the line. His name is Brad Free, and he is starting a plant swap in Tampa. Oh, very good, Brad. That's wonderful. Hi, Brad. How are you doing? Brad? Yep, hello. Oh, hello. hello. Glad to see you. how are you doing today? Good, good. Glad you called. So can you tell us where you're plant swap's going to be taking place? Yeah, I'll give you the address first. It's going to be at 11780 North Dale Mabry Highway, uh, Tampa, Florida, 33618 at a place called Urban Roots Garden Supply. Oh, yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, Zach and Bianca are really good friends with us, and they are kind enough to allow us to try this out. Um, That's great. Me and my wife, yeah, me and my wife just kind of started our a little back home business and they're trying to help other people who are kind of in the same thing. Uh, so it's a swap. Kind of, so that doesn't mean uh, that's like uh, swap. It's going to be kind of a sale and swap. So we're, we're kind of going to be having a few vendors um, who are going to be selling plants. And then a few people are allowed to just kind of come and set up with a wagon full of plants and see if anybody wants to trade plants and kind of just mingle. And, yeah. Uh, seeds and too. It. I guess that's, you probably throw that in too for people. Yeah, yeah. So Cuttings uh, our are going to be uh, Critter, uh, Critter Companions by Kenny Coogan. He's going to be there. <laughs> no wonder you're on, Fran. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be having dozens of uh, really cool carnivorous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What t- uh, what gonna... day is that and what time, please? Oh, yeah, the day is going to be the 16th this Saturday at 10 a.m., and it's going to be um, uh, ending at 1 p.m. Okay, 10 to 1. Okay. Yeah. 
And then we'll also have another vendor uh, from Garden Barrel Nursery. Uh, she'll have some pothos, syngoniums, some alocasias, other things like that. Um, another one is going to be family roots. Um, she'll have anthuriums, monsteras, and some other odds and ends. And then uh, crystallized clarity. He's going to be there with some hoyas, peperomas, and uh, some rare house plants. And of course, with a name like crystallized clarity, he's going to have some crystals there for uh, kind of decorating the. So, are you going to have edibles there too as well? Uh, no, Natives. One, it's going to be more of the rare house plants. Oh, okay. Kind of lower light house plants and stuff okay. like that. We'll have some adenium and some uh, hoyas and pothos and uh, some philodendron and just some cooler stuff like that for people to kind of decorate their house up with. Okay. And, uh, their, yeah. But Urban Roots does sell vegetable seeds. And yeah, that's why I often, recognize it because, you know, that's what I would Urban be doing. Sell seeds and stuff like that. They will, if I'm not mistaken, have some uh, starters. for. Well, and it's people. probably a good idea for people to, uh, you know, familiarize themselves with that place if they are edible uh, growers. Oh, absolutely. You know, because I mean, you need to know. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah, Zach and Bianca are great, knowledgeable people. Yeah, they, they are. Help anybody out. I mean, they, they help. They can, they can teach anybody to grow a plant. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. They can turn a brown thumb green. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? I just said thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure. Glad you were here. Thank you, Brad. No problem. Y'all have a great day. You, you too. too. Bye-bye, Brad. And I will see him on Saturday. Yeah, that's fun. So today we are talking with Jenny Steibolt. Jenny has written multiple books on gardening, specifically gardening books about Florida. She also knows the value of natives and promotes them in her garden and other people's garden. We are excited to get her expertise to share with our listeners. So stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. Yeah, so uh, I've, I haven't talked to Jenny in a while, but we had the best conversation on the phone a while back. It was so much fun. She is really knowledgeable. Um, so I just wanted to read a couple of things about her to let y'all know a little bit more about her in depth. Uh, she's been a gardener all her life. Me too, Jenny. <laughs> I love people like you. And she's earned a master's degree in botany. Uh, she's written five books five or is it over five? It might be. And hundreds of articles and posts. Uh, she can often be found in her yard with dirt under her fingernails, testing techniques and examining the results as she works to make our landscape more sustainable. Her newest book, Adventures of a Transplanted Gardener, Advice for New Florida Gardeners, is available now. I'm so glad you're on the program. Welcome, Jenny. Oh, thank you, Annie. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's so great. Um, so I have some. We all have some questions for you, uh, and anything that you think of that we're missing, uh, I want you to just jump in and you know say whatever you think you need to say. So sure, uh, you're welcome. So as a transplant, uh, where did you originally come from, and then when and why did you move to Florida? Uh, well. Um I had a new, uh, but married a new husband in oh. 2003. Brand spanking new. Right. <laughs> and, although he was, he was old, but you know. <laughs> um, and I had a house on the Severn River up in Annapolis that I had lived in for um, more than 30 years. So wow. most of my gardening was in Maryland. But before that, I was in New England. So that's where I did most of my gardening. And my uh, college degree in botany was from the University of Maryland. Mm -hmm. So that's where I came from. Mm -hmm. And I was. I had a job at a community college, and he was a uh, retired Air Force um, 
officer and also an actor, oh. um, and, which is kind of unusual. Um, but he, um, he said, you know, we, don't, we could retire. And he said, we're, we're going to go to Florida. <laughs> so we did. And so we looked at several areas in Florida and uh, we ended up in Clay County, which is um, about 16 miles from an, an Air Force base. So he wanted oh, to right. have access to an Air Force yeah. base. So that, yeah, that yeah. was one of the things. I mean, we, could, we looked at, at the Tampa area as well because you have McDill there. Right. So he wanted to be near a base. That, right. that, was, that was the criteria. We could have also ended up near Patrick Air Force Base on the Space Coast. But anyway, so I thought I, thought I knew what I was doing. Um, <laughs> hey, what, before you go wise. on, what um, zone is Clay County? Just so I know. On 9A. 9A. Okay. There you go. Yeah. And so you thought yeah. you knew what you were doing, but... But yeah, I was I was from by Florida gardening, and um, I plant I I bought sixty four tulip bulbs oh from, my a gosh. Local, from a local store. Oh my god! You know, it's not like I ordered them online. Right. But I bought them from a local store, and the next spring, I got one leaf. <laughs> and then one of my neighbors said, oh, everybody knows that you're supposed to put them in the refrigerator. Of course, it doesn't say that on the packaging for the tulip bulbs. Of course not. And the store should not have been selling something that was guaranteed to fail. So it made me angry. Yeah. Um, and that I was sure that I was not the only one flummoxed by Florida gardening. So I began writing. Uh, as a community columnist for the Jacksonville newspaper. Okay. And I called the columns The Adventures of a Transplanted Gardener. Oh, that's which, great. Which is the yeah. title of, of my new book. Um, but I wrote about all kinds of things, my failures and my successes, what I'd found out. You know, I, I did a lot of research. I bought new books, I, you know, joined the mm -hmm. Native Plant Society, all of those things. Um, and I wrote probably a more than 100 uh of those columns before they stopped that program, um, but I had I had written enough so that when I met the editor for University Press of Florida um, at a writers conference, and I was there doing a presentation on websites because that that's even though I'm a master's in botany, I was I had been working in computers since mm -hmm. 1981. I opened a computer store in 1981 up in Maryland, and we were selling computers with 16K of memory. And, <laughs> and in those days, I was teaching classes, and I had other people coming in and teaching classes, but the adults and the kids were on the same level because the kids didn't know any more than the... Yeah, that was back in the old days. Yeah, in the, yeah dinosaur days. Mm -hmm. but, but anyway, um, I thought that I'd you know, do more, finally be able to do more gardening um, when I moved to Florida, and I was rudely... <laughs> Really, really surprised. So I was at this writers conference doing a presentation on websites for writers, so that they could have more. Because <laughs> this was in two thousand seven, I think, two 
two, yeah, 2007. Yeah. And in those days, people who were designing websites on their own were doing things like, oh, welcome to my website. So I was going through. Right. So then you know, let me just interrupt you. Let me interrupt me headline. you. Uh, <laughs> let me interrupt you, Jenny. So uh, basically, uh, we're rolling into gardening. Is that where we're, direction we're going? That you yes, learned from the I computer? Yes, because I met the editor for University Press of Florida. Okay, great. There, and you and started I, writing for them. Um, yeah, but I he wanted me to write an organic gardening book, and I wanted oh. to. I, I started with, well, why don't we do the best of my columns? And yeah. I gave him some of my titles. So, um, so he's but, the one yeah. that was uh, pushing you into that direction of writing, isn't uh, writing a book? Well, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, that I never written a book that. before. See, and now you're writing them all the time. So, yeah. So, was yeah, that, were I, we correct in saying it was five books? Five Florida books. Florida books. Florida and books. Then, okay. And then one uh, climate-wise landscaping book that yeah. I wrote. Uh, it came out in 2018, and uh-huh. I co-wrote with uh, with a landscape architect up in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So, but so basically, let's roll into Florida. So, what is uh, what are the biggest challenges uh, for growing food in Florida? Well. Uh, Everything is different here. Well, no, I mean, but you are here. So what's, yes. the, what's the challenge the biggest, of growing The biggest challenge for somebody who is transplanted to Florida is the wet seasons and the dry seasons. Got it. And that we grow winter vegetables right through the winter, cool weather vegetables right through the winter. Mm-hmm. And that we can't grow tomatoes in the middle of summer. Right. Well, unless you grow Everglades. You can grow Everglades all year. Yeah, the Everglades tomato is actually a different species. It's not the same tomato species as all the other tomatoes. Mm -hmm. It's actually a different species. I've had some really good luck with an orange uh, uh, cherry. Uh, It's still like crazy. Yeah, and it it may end up being a hybrid between the Everglades and and something else. It's a lot bigger, but, you know, whatever they've been working on it. I need to go into the reintroduction because we've already been talking a while. Um, I'm Annie Ellis, and you're listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Jenny Steibolt, and she's the author of of many books, but this one we're talking about is the author of uh, Adventures of Transplanted Gardener, Advice for New Florida Gardeners. If you want to be part of the conversation, please give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on the air. Hi, Jenny. This is Kenny. So you were talking about the wet season and the dry season. What are some of your favorite things to grow in the summertime, which is the wet season? Yes, so most of the squashes get fungal diseases because it's too wet. Right. Um, so I like the Seminole pumpkin. The Seminole pumpkin um, is actually a native to Mexico, um, but it was being grown by indigenous peoples here 500 years ago when the Europeans arrived. And so the um, the indigenous peoples had traded it both southward to south america and uh north northward over here to florida and it's it loves our hot wet summers it's a very aggressive grower and if you stand too long next to it it's (laughs) going to wrap itself around your ankle (laughs) you know we had a guy that called in recently that said he had some old pumpkin seeds uh that he was going to give away that he'd had them in the freezer for 10 years and they were still being able to sprout i was pretty amazed 
Right. Yeah. And actually, the, it's an interesting crop because the butternut squash is a cultivar of the Seminole pumpkin species. Yeah. Um, and also, the squash from the um, Caribbean, the, the flat the flat ridged squash from the Caribbean is also the same species. Mm. So um, it's, it's really an interesting crop. It's very bountiful and um, it's a little more, um, a little more re- resistant to the invasion by uh, worms, the, the squash worms in the, that, uh, that you have. The borers, yeah. The, bor- the borers and the, and the uh, melon worms yeah. that, uh, because it's got a thicker skin. Okay. And with the Seminole pumpkin, you can pick it at any time. You can pick it when it's small and green and use it like a zucchini, or you can wait until it's ripe when, it, when it's tan, like a butternut squash that you'd see in the grocery store, and then you use it like a butternut or a, a pumpkin. So what are the, uh, the most important tips that you have uh, for, uh, that people need to know before starting and then getting frustrated? Yeah, and not everything's going to work. Yeah, um, to be okay and, with that. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, we gardeners are like the gamblers, and we have to know when to fold and say, well, that didn't work. <laughs> Let's try something else. Another favorite summer uh, crop of mine, and I, I posted this on Facebook today, is lime basil. So, the, unlike the sweet basil, which is the Italian uh, standard. Yeah. Uh, the lime basil is a different species, yeah. um, and it does withstand our hot, wet summers. And it's very and where the sweet basil ends up getting fungal well, diseases. I summer. find that if you put, the, I grow the Genovese all year round, but right. I put it in a raised container and I lift right. it up higher and I have it in a bit of shade, uh, and they and I give spaces between them to have more air. But yeah. I grow it all year round. So right. you're saying the the lime basil is something you put in the ground? Is that how you would manage that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. After I bought the original seeds, um, I haven't had to buy seeds. Oh, you've been saving the seeds. Oh, that's good. No, they're seeding themselves. Oh, so they just replant themselves. You're not even yeah, doing so it. the ne- the next warm season, uh, there they are. Yeah. Recognize those seedlings yeah. and I save a, a row somewhere for them, and I transplant them from whatever that crop was, and and have a row. Yeah, um, that's the beauty. And, but they're a little. It's a little more citrusy. Um, and it's just needs no care at all. I mean, it really is um, very, very easy to grow, and it's got a wonderful taste. Uh, there is a native basil too, the wild um, sweet basil, um, and that has a di- that. yeah. It's it's south. It's native to South Florida, um, but it has a, a sort of an anise overtone. It's a different different taste for a basil. That's not that um, blue basil, is it? The holy basil? It's not, it's not holy basil. Okay. But it, um, huh. Yeah, it's, it's native. It's native to Florida. Jenny, wow. do you know where listeners could find seeds or plants of that one? Uh, you're going to have to find somebody who has it. Um, okay. I, will, I will probably on Facebook um, in the next couple of weeks be giving away seeds. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, I've so. also had good experience with that lime basil. I know um, when we were talking about the seminal pumpkin, yeah, I just looked up the scientific name and then any cultivar that's under that species, I've yeah. also had luck with. Yeah. Like the Kushaw squash and the seminal pumpkin I plant yeah. on like next to a tree. I never water them. <laughs> And nature can produce, usually I only get like three fruits. Does because, it grow up the tree? Can yeah, it? Okay. maybe like 10 feet up. But yeah. I don't fertilize anything. I don't water anything. <laughs> and then I get about 20 pounds of the, the three yeah, add up I mean, to about it's, 20 it's, pounds. It's very, it's very bountiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 when I plant a squash, whether it's the pumpkin or the seminal pumpkin or not, is I create a, a raised bed. I have raised beds with outsides so that... Oh, they're mounded just, like they're 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 a mound, okay. and so I build a mound with compost and kitchen scraps at the bottom of the mound, and then then I plant the plants on the rim of the mound. So it's like a little volcano with the plants coming out of the rim of the volcano, and that way I when I need to irrigate, it just goes in the middle, and that cuts down on the weeds. And make sure that there's enough water. So for the that's really an interesting point. I want to bring that forward. Uh, you just said that instead of like composting and then taking the compost over there and putting it in the base, you're actually putting the things that you would put in the compost in the bottom, and then yeah. you're adding what uh, other soils that would grab it better, and then uh, making yeah. making the mound and then planting. Yeah, that's, yeah. And, you know, I wanted I, to bring that up. That's a great idea. Right. I have a whole, I have an article on that. It's called, uh, in, you know, Compost in Place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on, on my blog, I have all those articles. They're on greengardeningmatters.com. So right at the, on the resources page are links to many of my columns. And uh, Enriching Soil by Composting in Place is one of my most popular ones. Yeah. And I show how to build a mound garden and how um, you can use trench composting for your kitchen scraps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a separate compost piles as well. Right. So I do almost all my own compost building. So I, I build my soil. I don't buy it. Yeah, it's very it, good. Very good. And I use rain barrel water as well, so I don't have to buy water. Um, rain barrels are overflowing right now. Yep. <laughs> but yes, my, my, mine are too, but uh, we have six barrels here. So, oh, wow. you know, it gets us through the dry spell in the winter. That's yep. great. So do you have all these beds in your backyard or your front yard or your vegetables? Um, they're in the backyard because that's where the most sun is. Mm. But But here in Florida, we do have a new... A two-year-old law called the Front Yard Vegetable Law. Um, that you can thank me for that. Well, um, thank you. Yeah, because I I went to a Clay County uh, hearing for our state representatives, and I talked about uh, somebody in in Miami Shores who had had her vegetable garden ripped out of her front yard by the mm-hmm. municipal workers, um, and I brought that up in my three-minute. Uh, in my three-minute speech, and my senator uh, Rob Bradley, who's who's now now no longer senator, he timed out, but um, he he wrote the bill, and so now municipal municipalities cannot ban 
front yard vegetable gardens anymore. It doesn't apply to HOAs. Right, that's what the kicker's but, right there. But it's a step in the right direction. Let me ask so you, when people say, oh, we can't do anything, you can. You have to speak up. When I, let me ask you this, you know, because they have the median between uh, that this city-owned, it's public land, basically, but we take care of it, of course. Uh, is that in that um, ability to be able to plant that, or uh, is, is it not? Do you know the space between no, the No, it's really what people can do on their own yards. Okay. so On, that, on that, their own property, right. on their own front yard. I was wondering about that. Yeah, I mean, we, we it would be really nice if more municipalities would make some of their common lands available as community gardens. So people who are in apartments or people who don't have any sun yeah. can can have a place to grow vegetables. I, I don't have sun in the backyard, so I have to grow in the, I grow on the side. And that's not unusual. Yeah, yeah. It's not unusual. Um, but for every, <laughs> for every pound of food that you grow or buy from a local source that offsets up to two pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. Oh. So that growing food is good for our planet mm -hmm. and it's good for us. Yeah. And it's good for your, you know, your family and your makes your family more resilient. Um, I, again, I wrote an article on how we save money by growing our own food because it having fresh harvest changes the way you cook. Oh, it, it really does. You you pick out what you're going to grow or what you're going to eat based on what's out there in the garden. Well, that's right. I mean, yeah. so I had I had Seminole pumpkin pie for breakfast this morning. Ooh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> and it's, a, it's a great breakfast with, with some plain yogurt on top. I mean, why not? Yeah. And that's how we measure sustainability, the balance of people, profit, and planet. And you just listed all three of those yeah. things. Yeah, and you saved money. Growing vegetables. Yeah, yeah. profit, saving money. Yeah. It's good for the planet. Good for offsetting. the people. Yep, CO2. And, you know, you were also, uh, when you were talking about if we did do the medians, you know, in California, there's a guy there that they kept ripping it out and kept and he kept <laughs> planting it, right? And, and it's now in the laws that he's able to do that. So in the medians, it is planted uh, in front because he has everything else already planted. And it's open for picking for the locals. So, yeah, well, isn't, that, isn't that wonderful? It is wonderful. Maybe We should be doing more of that. Yes. Agreed. So, Jenny, when you did your three-minute speech to the senator, how long did it take for the state bill to pass or the state After law? Oh, it was, it was done that next year. Oh. You know, so the hearings, yep. and it happens in every county, the hearings of your delegation, the representatives and the senators have a meeting in your county and most of the people who talk to them are the local governments looking for money and other people looking for money, but the regular people not affiliated with anybody can also speak up. So each, you know, COVID sort of put a stop to it, but yeah. each, each fall, I, I do go ahead and find a three-minute thing. The last one I did was on trying to stop invasive plants from being sold. Oh, I love you. I'm so glad you're no, doing that. It didn't that. happen. He didn't do it. No, but, but at least you, you know, brought it forward. Florida, Florida spends $54 million every year on removing invasive plants. It's unbelievable. Plants, yeah. And they're still for sale. Right. And, and some of them, like Nandina, actually kill 
birds, right. especially <laughs> the Mexican birds petunia and stuff so like that. But why are they for sale? Well, that's a big beef of mine as well. I mean, they sell them in all the big box stores, and they sell a lot of things off seasons, like you were talking about earlier. We have yeah. uh, Bill is going to be reading. He has, he has a little promo for us. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Okay. Well, there you are, just sitting out there in Radio Land, enjoying the Sustainable Living Show and wondering how can you show your support. Just go to our website, WMNF.org, and click on the tip jar at the top of the screen. Be sure to direct your donation to SUL for Sustainable Living. And just let me say, supporting Sustainable Living in WMNF Tampa will be the most rewarding thing that you can do with your clothes on. <laughs> Thanks, Bill, for that. Oh, I love that. So, Jenny, earlier you were talking about raised beds. Why do you recommend raised beds for all of Florida? Well, there are several reasons. One is most of Florida has less than perfect soil. Um, <laughs> And it's different depending upon where you are. Um, in South Florida, you have limestone, <laughs> and it's too alkaline for most crops. And in a lot of Florida, there's it's too sandy. And and in some in up in farther north than me, even you've got clay. So most of Florida's soils are not very good for growing vegetables. The other thing is that if you build a raised bed, and again, with or without sides, that you end up not disturbing the soil underneath, um, and all of your activity is in the loose soil that you've prepared. And so the vegetables grow better in soil that's not been trampled down. Oh, yay. So you're talking about uh, no-till gardening techniques. Well, to protect the not, not, exact, not exactly, but yeah, the, the, we want the underlying soil to remain undisturbed because our soils sequester four times more carbon than all the terrestrial plants, including the rainforests. And so if we leave it undisturbed, then that carbon will be... Um, will stay there mm-hmm. uh, much longer, but by plowing your land, you disturb the soil, and then you end up with releasing a lot of the greenhouse gases, and you end up having that soil not be as um, conducive to uh, growing in many ways because it, it gets disturbed and, and it dries out quicker. So, um, so having the underlying soil intact is very helpful in that. All right. So let's say listeners are going to build a raised bed. It could be a foot. I grow a lot of things in like horse troughs that are six foot wide, three foot tall. And what are some options for getting soil into those raised beds? Well, again, my favorite is composting in place because you're not buying it. Um, if you if you are anxious to start more quickly, my suggestion is to buy organic soil. And there's really no definition for soil. <laughs> so it could be filled with a lot of sticks and stuff. Um, but when you get it, put it on the ground so that it ends up filling with up with microbes so right. that you end up with more composty type stuff in that soil, you know, so put down some dry leaves, 
put that new organic soil that you bought in a plastic bag and put it on top of the leaves and let it and water it um, with rain barrel water, hopefully, or let it rain on top of that. One of the things I've noticed with uh, new people to the area or people that just don't know, uh, they want to line that. They want to put a wheat block liner on the ground before they do anything, and I never believe in that, but I'd like your opinion on that as well. No, you you don't want to do anything to alter the acidity of the soil. Mm -hmm. Um, For one thing, it's it's detrimental to the microbes. Yeah. Um, and for another thing, it's a pointless exercise because it's just going to go back to what it was anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that what we do is we build the soil. And each, each time you change the crop, then you put in more compost. Um, and once you get started and you have organic materials gathered from your yard and stuff, you end up you know, with a lot of new soil that you're building yourself. Yeah. Do you find that, let's say we're, we built the raised bed, it's brand new, we put our organic soil in, maybe we added some compost. Do you find that there's certain crops that you should start with or can you plant any vegetable crop you want in that virgin soil? Um. Yeah, well, if you ended up doing using some composted manures, chicken or or horse or cow manures, then you you should plant something that needs a lot of nutrients. Um, if you're starting with a lean soil mixture, then you should plant some legumes first, so that you end up building up the soil um, the soil. Um, nutrients so because legumes in the bean family so that would be beans and peas um, actually fix the nitrogen our our atmosphere is 78 percent nitrogen but it's in a gaseous state and our plants can't use it but nitrogen is one of the major nutrients that the plants need but they can't do anything about all that air so the so is the root nodules um on the on the legumes can change the gas into an ammonia uh, molecule, which then can be. So then that would probably be a really good cover crop to put in the summertime. So instead of killing yourself trying to grow things and just being so frustrated in this, you know, horrible heat that we have, uh, that might be a good cover crop to nurture the soil? Well, there, there are some that are recommended for south florida but you you won't you don't want to put snow peas in as a cover crop because it's a cool weather plant but exactly sun hemp and there are some field peas um that you can use to um enrich your soil with that but the cover crop i like the best in my yard is marigolds mm-hmm. um and that is because i ha- i you know after a few years gardening Uh, And I talk about this in the book, that when you start gardening, you're going to wonder what everybody is complaining about with (laughs) not nematodes and stuff like that because you won't have them. But those um, build up over the time time when you grow crop after crop. But the marigolds, if you use it as a cover crop and turn it just under the top of the soil uh, at the end of summer before we plant our cool weather crops, then it, it... it works to inhibit the root knot nematodes that destroy 
or inhibit the water retention so, or absorption. I, I want to ask you about that because um, I've, I've always been a little confused, and I'm sure other people are, about like if you're turning that under, how how long does it need to stay under, or is that going to be one that's going to be on the base, like you said about your uh, your chipped up um, vegetable scraps and so on? Would you put it low like that? Is that how you would do that? It depends upon when you want want to plant. So uh-huh. if you want to plant the next week, then you want to bury it fairly deep, like okay. six inches. But if you are going to let that bed sit, then just a couple of inches below the soil level is fine. And let that sit for how long? Um, it doesn't make any difference. Two months. I mean, it, you don't need to wait that long before you plant crops because by the time this new crop roots reach there, it's going to be compost. Perfect. Uh, so the, And that's the other beauty of composting in place is that while the bottom may not be ready yet, by the time the seedlings work their way, the roots work their way down to that rich area underneath that mound, then it's all going to be compost. So the marigolds, you'd use French marigolds, um, and the University of Florida has done the scientific um, research on this. So, you can also use lobster shells if you... Yeah, I've a crab meal works really well, too. Yeah, crab shells or lobster shells also works. And, and you know, the millipedes that everybody's getting a ton of, they uh, still they have the same, uh, uh, what is it, keratin uh, that's in Maybe them. Maybe chitin. Yeah, thank you, Kenny. Uh, that works the same as those. So, it's, uh, you know, people get scared about seeing them, but it's an actually good thing. It, they are, yeah. yeah. So, Jenny, yeah, I mean, it's July, so we're telling people that they can plant native basil, lime basil, a certain species of squash, and... Okra. Okra. And then okra, when... Okra's from Africa. Um, but, yeah, it's a wonderful um, summer crop in Florida. And then when... Um, when do you consider the cool season? For, for <laughs> well, see, I'm farther, I'm farther north. <laughs> yeah, than you, you are. Yeah. Yeah. So we're almost to 10, really. We're 9B, but it really turned into 10. So, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, almost to eight, actually. Yeah. Um, so, um, no, us, I meant. Yeah, you. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 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 a different planting zone, mm-hmm. which is why it's so hard to write a vegetable gardening book mm-hmm. for Florida because there's so many variables, yeah. and we have seven planting zones. So it's um, a really interesting exercise trying to cover the whole state. So when I when I wrote Organic Methods for Vegetable Gardening, which is my second book, um, I had my co-writer uh, Melissa was in Miami. Uh, so she had a whole new set of crops that I'd never even heard That's of. Very helpful. Yeah. yeah, and and so also as a co-writer, she had a whole different skill set than I had. Where I'm basically retired hobby gardener, but a botanist person, and she was working in organic farms and had organized farmers markets and was on the more commercial side of that. And she also her husband was from Honduras, so she knew about um, a lot of the Latino crops, um, Hispanic crops that you know, I just had no knowledge of. So, so it was a big compilation of, of that. But as a botanist, when we arranged the plants, the crops, they were arranged by family, um, which is unusual because mostly they're, they're arranged by the alphabet. Um, 
But that doesn't help when you're trying to explain legumes. Don't fertilize the legumes because you won't get very many beans, you know. Do you, do you interplant with flowers and native plants often? Or oh, do you yeah, recommend there, that? There's, there's, native, there's native flowers that seed themselves in my, in my gardens. And Which ones are those? Well, the one that is the most prolific in my gardens is the is the salvia. The oh yeah, um, that's great stuff. You know, so it self seeds, and so you learn to recognize the um, what the seedling looks like. So if it's growing in some place that's not appropriate, then you end up transplanting it to somewhere else. But and you and you want that salvia amongst your vegetables because it'll bring in the pollinators. And I have native beds, you know, native cottage garden flower beds near my vegetables in in several areas because you want those pollinators in and around your garden all the time. Um, so when your seminal pumpkins are flowering, there's male and female flowers and you want to, and, and that female flower has to be pollinated seven to ten times before oh, fruit will form. I did not know so, so if you if the if the fruit doesn't get if the flower the female flower doesn't get pollinated enough, then you then the fruit never gets larger and it turns yellow and falls off. And so people say, oh, that's blossom end rot. You know, it's because you don't have enough calcium. No, it's because it didn't get pollinated. That's and you you can help do some hand pollinating because it's easy to tell the male and the female flowers. So if you've got a female flower, you can. Um, pick a male flower and, and put that pollen right on the... Yeah, the stigma. I do that right. with corn. So yeah, right right on the, on the, on the female part. Yeah. So. That's a great tip. So I want to remind listeners that we are at the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Jenny Steibolt. If you have questions for her or want to be part of the conversation about growing vegetables... Give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. And we do have an email from Jeff Smith. He says, amazing show, y'all. The lady who is a botanist who resides in Clay County is incredible. She is a fountain of great knowledge and a great speaker. Kudos to her for the front yard gar vegetable garden bill. Amazing what one individual can achieve. I was raised by a pair of marine biologists on the east coast of Florida in the 70s, so she is jogging my memory in a fond way. And oh, good. What a nice Jeff email. Also, would like for us to mention and readdress or give us the address of Saturday's plant swap again. He says, wonderful show, many thanks. I Jeff, have the address. Well, guess what, Miss Annie? Bill's going to tell us. Oh, right on, Bill. <laughs> Bill yeah. is our wonder man. This is our my little wee minute to shine. <laughs> In addition to the plant swap and sale at the Urban Roots this Saturday from 10 to 1 this Sunday, July 17th, the MOSI, Museum of Science and Industry, will be having a carnivorous plant pop-up with our own Kenny Coogan. He'll be there from 12 till 3, and MOSI, the Museum of Science and Industry, is located at 4801 East Fowler Avenue, right across from USF. And do you have a deep connection to the Florida nature that should be celebrated? Let 
this be your inspiration to enter the Nature Conservatory Conservancy Florida Center for Conservation Initiative Art Contest. Holy smokes, what award. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nature inspires and create a Florida natural inspired work of art that represents this year's theme, Celebrate Nature. Go to Florida Native Plant Society to learn more. And if that's not enough, the Florida Native Plant Society is also hosting a webinar tonight at 7 p.m. on ferns and spores, ferns and spore-bearing plants. Visit our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to learn more about these events. That's right. about it. Thanks, Bill. Cool. I can tell you the address real quick of that one place. Yeah, so it's at Urban Roots. Yeah. At 11780 North Delmay, 33618. So a couple of weeks ago, Annie and I were talking, this is not edible, but Annie and I were talking about ant plants that make little homes for ants. And I have an ant fern, and it has spores on the back of it. So I will probably be attending the Florida Native Plant Society's fern and spore webinar tonight because I cut off the leaf that has the spores on the back because uh-huh. it was about to die. And I have it in a little envelope. I'm drying up the oh. spores. And then I watched Martha Stewart from like 1995. Yeah. And she had a 20-minute segment about how to propagate spores. Yeah. So That's uh, involved. And yeah. it's great. I'm, you're so good but about it, doing But if this like works, in two years, I'll have a 1,000 plants. That's fabulous. That's you know, great. I also wanted to mention, too, that the Native Plant Society, the Sierra Club, and another group, I can't remember, they're going to have uh, a, an, a seminar at uh, the Tampa Garden Club on Wednesday. Um, so that should be really, really good as well. You can go to the Tampa Garden Club uh, webpage and check it out. And then I also add all these events to the Facebook page that Bill was talking about. Yeah, Sustainable Living WMNF. So, Jenny, we only have about eight minutes left. What is the most surprising crop that you have found that we can successfully grow in Florida? Roselle. Oh, yeah. Can yeah. you tell Roselle us what Roselle is? Roselle is the most surprising crop. It's totally unexpected because we don't eat the fruits or the leaves. Well, we can eat the leaves. but I the, like the leaves. The, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but the Roselle, which is called Florida's cranberry, although it's not from Florida at all, but um, we harvest the calyx, which is the sepal underneath the flower. Mm-hmm. And that is the only crop I can think of where we're harvesting the sepals as our crop. And, it is, and they taste like cranberries, which mm-hmm. is... Ridiculous. I mean, how did that? <laughs> yeah, makes a great tea. Yeah, my neighbor. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it's in the red zinger tea. Um, gives you the red color, mm-hmm. and also some of the zing. Yeah, uh, lemongrass nice is also in in, in, uh, in the red zinger tea. Mm. But but I I would like to um, say something. Okay. You know, that I am a big supporter of the Florida Native Plant Society. Yes, I know you are. You are really about and, the natives. And I was, I was a speaker at their conference uh, last month, and um, I donate the half the proceeds or the royalties of some of my books oh, to the Florida Native so Plant good. Society. But, it, uh, you know, on the 4th of July each year, I post... Uh, a, a meme that I created with red, white, and blue native flowers oh. and say, this is a patriotic landscape. It's yeah. our all Florida, all American 
yards and how we ended up with our big box stores and other gardens that are selling us stuff from Africa and everywhere else and not our own native plants. Yeah, they're hard to find. They're hard to find a lot of times, which seems to be the opposite of the way it should be. Oh, we have a caller. And and that's right. So, you know, I would highly recommend that people join up with the Native Plant Society so that Native Plants are more available. It's fnps.org. Perfect. And, yeah, there there are a lot of good, um, there are several good chapters in the Tampa area. You know, and, uh, we have uh, we have a couple callers uh, that would like to uh, talk, so let's roll with those okay. guys right now. So the first one we're going to take is Timmy. Hi, Timmy. Timmy? Yes. Hello. Hi. Do you have a question about how to maintain the lawn between your crops? Well, no. I, I do a lot of, I plant my crops kind of scattered throughout and I pair it near other native shrubbery, et cetera. Um, my wife and I just moved to a new place, though, and the uh, person who they had hired to maintain the lawn uh, was pretty lazy and sprayed pesticides. Every yes. That would be weed waxed. And that was where typically I plant um, legumes along my fence lines, um, and they're all dying right now. Yeah. Um, where I was wondering if you knew of any crops that were particularly good at extracting pesticides back out of the soil. That's sad. Uh, Jenny, do you have any ideas on uh, extracting pesticides, uh, plant materials that would do that? Um, no, I mean, we need, we need the landscaping industry to be better trained about yeah. natives. Yeah, or and, anything. And it's, really. it's going to take us all to <laughs> to change that industry. So it's not just poison your yard and mow right. and blow and, and call it good. We need to rethink the perfect landscape, and it doesn't include those poisons. I have a. I had to stand outside with the guy and make sure he didn't spray into my stuff. Seriously, it's yeah. that hard. It is hard. Yeah, I agree. The sterilization of our landscapes is mm. one of the things that disgusts me the most. Me too. I'm sorry so, that that So happened. we all need to speak up. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, Tim, so Timmy, your problem is that they sprayed pesticides and now you see your vegetables are... Dying. Dying. Well, it's a cover crop. Yeah. So, Jenny, what can't... Is there a way to, like, flush out the soil or... Well, yeah, you you can you can water heavily and then plant something that is more vigorous, perhaps. Um, start, I mean, maybe marigolds, you know. Some, yeah, some, that's a good idea. So something that is highly tolerant of stuff that, um, you know, but yeah, water water it very thoroughly. You know, uh, we have another caller too, and just barely any time left. I wonder if we should go into that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Thank you, Timmy. Timmy. I appreciate you. Thank you. We appreciate you calling in. Yes. So the next person is uh, Robert. And yeah, hello. Hi, Hi Robert. Robert. We and just have a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah just, just be quick. Um, he wants to know how to spell Jenny's last name. Yes. <laughs> and, and where do you get? Where where can I get her books? And I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, you can go to greengardeningmatters.com. That's my blog, and there's links to the books along the left side. So um, they're all there. Very good. And your name is G-I-N-N-Y. 
And yep. then the last name is Stibolt, S-T-I-B-O-L-T. Yes. Okay. Very yeah, good. Right. All right. So we uh, have your website, Jenny. We are good to go. Do you have, you know, anything else you want to give some uplifting positive advice for the <laughs> yeah, listeners? Yeah. <laughs> well, we, you know, we, we are... But we are millions and millions of gardeners, and we can make a difference, and we, we need to stand up and do so. I'm so glad that you brought that up uh, because that is it, that we do not stand alone, and one person can, does make a difference. Thank you so much, Jenny, for doing that. Appreciate well, it. thanks for having me on your show. It was a pleasure. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Maybe. We do another segment on one of your native books. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jenny. We appreciate it. All right. So we want to remind listeners about our show next week, but we have one minute. And uh, Annie, I was wondering if you can answer this. My green peppers were, this is from Andy. My green peppers were prolific and now they're pitiful as they aren't producing as much as they once did. They were planted this spring. Well, I would suggest compost topping. Uh, that would probably do it. And then also make sure that you're really looking underneath the leaves and right where the leaves connect to the stems. That's a big deal. You might have bugs. And if you do, just trim them back and then start over because you don't want to use any pesticides at all, period. And one of the Florida-friendly landscaping techniques is right plant, right place. And right, and and the, right time. And, and the place includes the time of Absolutely. the season. So, yeah. Yes, um, just like Ginny was mentioning, the rest of the country is growing green peppers now, but for Florida, it's a little difficult yeah. to grow bell peppers now because there's a lot of aphids. And well, and you're going to get a lot of stinging on the pepper itself too, which is going to rot it out. So, all right, but so, good luck. <laughs> thank you, Andy, for that call or that email. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to wmnf.org, donating through the tip jar, and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF's Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, you can switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, to listen to today's Tom, Tom Hartman Show Live. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for our next Sustainable Living show. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. I am Kenny Coogan. And I am Annie Ellis. Uh, Please remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye-bye.